Oh, what a privilege it is to be here today. This has been a blessing for me. I, you got it there, huh? People say we look alike, but I don't get it. I don't know. I just don't see it. Clearly, he's a Jets fan. I, I mean, that's just, how do you, how do you, we met way back in Valley Forge in the 70s, okay? Like, we're going way back. Um, and over the years, uh, I don't know that I've had a closer friend. I, no, I know. I haven't had a closer friend. Uh, you folks are uh, blessed to have Jeff and Heather here over the years, and they are blessed to have you as a congregation. I remember when he came here. I remember when he was at Valley Chapel up in Clifton. And it was up in Clifton when he was a youth pastor at Valley Chapel that somebody, we had a district youth event. I came in and somebody said, oh, hey, Dave, how you doing? I saw your son here. I said, no, my son's not here. No, I saw your son here. No, my son's not here. Yeah, he's here. He said, my son's in school. He said, no, he's up there. <laughs> For the record, that was the only time anybody made that mistake. He's been called my brother, my nephew, my cousin, all this kind of stuff. But most recently, it's, it gratifies me that people get us mixed up now. So he went from being my son to being me, and that's just, that's great for me, but I'm sorry, buddy. <laughs> I tell you what, though, I, um, it's a blessing to me to look like him, because he's just such a great guy. And every time people think I'm him, that's wonderful. That is, that is wonderful. When they go the other way, that's a problem. So I didn't have much time to tell some stories this morning, and I... I I was looking all over for those pictures, Todd, and I just could not find them. I, so at some point, I'll dig them out again. I don't know, but we got them. We got them over the years. Uh, but I will tell you this. He did teach me how to run mission trips. Uh, when I was district youth director, I'd never been on a mission trip. We had to take one, so Jeff was the guy. He said, well, I'll run it, and you learn, and he taught me. And, you know, 20 years later, I'm still with somebody's got world mission, so he, he's a good teacher. Um, but we, we took a team to, our first trip was to Nuevo Laredo, Mexico. I think our second was to Pátzcuaro, Mexico. But one of them in there was to um, Panama, Panama. And we're in Panama. We're there for a week or so. And we're staying in this hotel that was all marble, marble walls, you know, typical Latin American kind of thing if you've ever been there. And it was last night uh, before coming home. And we're sitting, the kids were in their different rooms and stuff and just some downtime before we, we bedded them down for the night. And we hear this boom, 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 pop, 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 sounded just like gunshots. And we're in Panama. I got the kids, you know, I got 20, 25 kids from, the, from Jersey. And I looked at him, he looked at me. And then one of our kids on the, on the trip came running down the hall and said, did you hear that? That guy had a gun. That guy had a gun. We went flying. We went making sure every kid was in their room, trying to, you know, do the, the safety thing, on and on and on. We've, we established that everybody was safe, everybody's in their room. And right about that time, the same kid that said, that guy had a gun, comes walking down the hall laughing. Now, I want to tell you, your pastor saved the careers of two missionaries that night. <laughs> First off, I looked at him, he looked at me, he saw the look on my face, and he said, Dave, let me take care of this. I said, no, 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 this was mine. He said, this kid had taken a couple of balloons and popped them in the marble hall, and it sounded just like gunfire. Boom, boom, boom. I wanted to send him home. That, we, were, we were heading home the next day. I was going to send him home that night, actually in two or three shipments. I was, I was, he said, Dave, let me handle that. And 
Thankfully, I used my better judgment and let him take care of it. He not only saved my career (laughs) as a missionary from who knows what jail I would have been sitting in, but that kid is one of your missionaries going to Cuba today. <laughs> and he saved his career as well. So you never know where these little things will, will come across. And actually, that missionary, as he itinerates, says he's the only guy that I almost sent home from a missions trip. And he's absolutely right. And if it wasn't for this guy, I would have. I would have. But over the years, it's been a blessing. It's been uh, an honor. Uh, there are two scripture verses just to share with you real quick that uh, come to mind. The first is in Hebrews, it's chapter 13, verse 7. It says this, Remember those who led you, who taught the word of God to you, and recognizing the outcome of their lives, imitate their faith. Folks, these are people who have taught you, have been faithful over the years. Imitate their faith. You have wonderful leaders. I, I, I'm in different churches every week. I see pastors all over the country, all over several countries. Um, these guys are number three on my list of the best pastors I have ever met. They're also number one and number two. So they they take up the first three spots. Um, You're not going to find any better people to imitate their faith. Second verse comes from Proverbs chapter 18, verse 24. And I don't just say this stuff. I'm not blowing smoke. This is me. This is genuine. Proverbs 18, 24 says, There is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. We've known each other for a lot of years now. And I'm telling you, Every single time I read that verse, I see one face. Every time. And I thank you for your friendship over the years and look forward to more years uh, of friendship. I saw something that said, you know, well done, faithful servant. I told you, you're not done yet. So <laughs> let's keep it going. Keep it going. Okay. This is Missions Madness Month. Let's get into the word and let me jump in and, and shift our focus a little bit. And let me encourage you. This is a great context here for uh, faithfulness and relationship. And also here in church, I want to shift our focus as well onto a missions focus now, not just because it's Missions Madness Month, but in light of what we've been experiencing the last couple of months. Let me tell you something. I'm not preaching on this, but I just want to throw it out to you. You are passionate about what you focus on. You don't focus on what you're passionate about. Passion is a result of focus. It's not the other way around. Our focus is not the result of our passion. Our passion is the result of our focus. The reason that so many people are anxious and terrified and fearful and on is because they're only focusing on one thing for the last couple of weeks. Now, just hear me out for a second. If you don't have any water, you don't drink any water for the next three days, you're not going to make it. You're not going to survive. Okay, you need water to survive. You don't need to be reminded of that every 30 seconds. You drink water. You do what's smart, and you live your life. Be careful what you focus on, because if that's all you focus on, that will become everything to you, and your passion gets addicted to that. So I want to shift our focus this morning to things that are a little more expansive, not saying that one is not important. Without water, you die. You need water. We need to be safe. We need to be intelligent. My daughter has a little sign in her bathroom. I've always joked with her, but I I sent her a text. I said, who's laughing now? Her sign says this, wash your hands and say your prayers because Jesus and germs are everywhere. (laughs) I love it. That's that's pretty much, yeah, that's that's what we got. So um, be careful, be smart, trust Jesus, live your life, and let's focus on him today. Um, As Pastor Todd said, I've been 
I work with the Assemblies of God World Missions. We were missionaries in Mexico for 10 years. For the last several years, we've been uh, home uh, almost, wow, I can't believe it's been so long. It's about seven or eight years now that we're working with uh, ethnic and now multi-ethnic mobilization in Assemblies of God World Missions. Basically, that means this. In the Assemblies of God in the United States, there are 20 regional language districts, we call them. 14 are Hispanic. There's a Brazilian district, two Korean districts, German, Slavic, um, Samoan, and then 14 Hispanic districts. 20 of those that are identified by language. Then there are 24, we call them ethnic fellowships. They have national recognition, and they are identified by their ethnicity, uh, or in some cases, some other things. The deaf fellowship is one of those. The black uh, fellowship is one of those. So it's, it's all different. But of all these different groups, these 44 groups, um, there has been nobody historically that has connected specifically with them to help elevate the cause of world missions and send missionaries from our ethnic communities all over the world. That's what we do. We connect with them. We work with them to send missionaries from all our ethnic, culture, and language uh, groups to all places globally. And today I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, some of that and some of what we need to do as a church just to give us a good panorama of how God wants to use us as partners in world missions. Uh, my text for today is Matthew tw- uh, chapter 9, verses 37, 38, says very simply, the harvest is great, the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his Fields, Not a, an unfamiliar verse. I'm sure you've heard it before, you've read it before. It's an interesting verse, though, because this is a, a verse that we all have heard. Uh, we probably have sung it somewhere in, in a song. We've prayed it, we've taught on it, we've heard messages preached on it. The one thing we rarely do, or we don't do enough, is actually pray it. We talk about praying for workers, but we rarely do. And I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. But if I asked you today, how many have prayed that God would send workers today, this week, this month, this year, you know what would happen. This is one of those things that we really have to get focused with. But let me break this down and, uh, and speak from this context uh, today. Peter Drucker, a uh, hero of mine, Peter Drucker is a management guru in business context. He writes a lot about organizational management. Peter Drucker recommends to anyone in an organization, you need to identify your major and primary customers in your organization if you want to be successful. In this verse, we've got three, I use, primary customers that are identified. First one is those who need to hear the gospel. The harvest is great. The harvest represents people that have never learned that Jesus died for their sins. Okay, the harvest is great. One of our primary customers is those that the gospel is going out to reach. We want to see people come to know Christ. That's one of the primary people, primary groups that we need to reach. Number two, those God uses to mobilize to get the gospel. Those God uses to arrange to support and send the, the word of God globally. That's the church, those who mobilize the gospel. Those are those who pray. Pray the Lord of the harvest. Those are the support groups that work together. That's us today. And then third, pray that he will send workers. Those are the ones who go, the workers who are sent. And I want to speak to you today about these three different groups in the context of this verse, all united by one word, and that word is anyone, anyone. 
So we're going to look at all three groups in terms of that one word, anyone, and hopefully before we go, something that I'll say will make an impact on you that will help you and affect you in your life today. Before we go further, let's pray, and then we'll dive in. Father, I thank you so much for this wonderful church. I thank you, Lord, for the history of this congregation and this uh, lighthouse over the years. I thank you for Jeff and Heather and their ministry. I thank you for Bonnie and Aaron, their family, Lord. I thank you for the, the ministry that's taken place. I thank you for what is taking place, and I thank you for what will take place. Today, motivate us. Take our attention. Take our focus. And as we focus on you, build in our hearts a passion that beats with the heart of God today. Speak to us, Lord. Give us eyes that see, ears that hear, minds that understand, and hearts that are ready and willing to respond to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Three different perspectives, all tied by the word anyone. And the first perspective I want to give you is the, word, is, is the perspective of God can reach anyone. God can reach anyone. The first group that we identify are those that need to receive the gospel. God can reach anyone. August 18th, 1996. I'll never forget that date. Jeff and I, Heather, were you there? Pátzcuaro? I believe you were there too. Cheryl was there. We were in a place called Pátzcuaro, Mexico. Um, Kristen, were you there? Okay. Anybody else was there? Cool. I was just talking to Kristen earlier this morning, and uh, her birthday hit on one of our aim trips. Was that the one? We got a birthday cake for her in Mexico. I tell you what, that was an unforgettable birthday cake. It looked amazing. It tasted like cardboard. <laughs> but it was amazing. It was amazing. <laughs> uh, we were there for a week. It was a cold week. It was rainy. It was nasty weather. The church we were meeting with in was like, it was in, in construction. The church was only six months old, hadn't been there very long. They had three walls, dirt floor. They had tarps and, and plastic bags strung across the top. There was no roof on it. It was windy, rainy. The, the Tarps would fill up with rain every once in a while. The water would roll if you got in the middle. We didn't know why there were so many empty seats. We sat in the empty seats. We got baptized every time, every day. It was just crazy. So we're there. It's the last service before we go home, Sunday afternoon. Uh, we're singing and everything. And into the atmosphere there walks this man in the middle. His name is Leopoldo. Um, by the way, that guy right there, Peter Manning, he's pastor in South Jersey right now. Uh, that's Mike Powell. Has Mike been here before? He's a missionary that's been here. Um, so you never know where God brings me. And the little guy is Mike's son. Um, but anyway, Leopoldo walks in. Leopoldo had been an alcoholic for about 20 years. That shack behind him is where he lived. Um, he was a mess. His, his stomach, he doesn't have stuff stuffed in his shirt. His stomach was distended. He was very ill. He, he had all the unique qualities of somebody who had been an alcoholic for that long. And uh, he just came into the church atmosphere because he heard music and he wanted to get out of the rain. That was it. He walked in, sat down, heard the music. But because he sat there, he also heard the presentation of the gospel. And when at the end of that service... The question was asked, does anyone want to give their life to Christ, receive forgiveness, and a new life? His hand went up. His hand went up. In a flash, in a moment, his whole life was transformed. 
if you had seen him the day before, if we had seen him the day before, we would have walked around him. We would have gone by him. We would have avoided him. Keep the kids away from that. Just, just be careful on and on. We would not have given very heavy odds that that man would ever come to know Christ, much less be in our fellowship that next day. But God spoke to him. God drew him because of the sound of music, because of a nasty, rainy day, and his life was instantly changed. Folks, God can reach anyone, anyone. Because somebody is unreached does not mean someone is unreachable. Everyone has the potential of seeing their life transformed by Christ. You have people in your family. You have people you work with. You have people you go to school with. You have people you live next door to. You look at them and you go, dude, what are the odds? I mean, come on, let's be for real. We have no right to assume that anyone is beyond the reach of God. God can reach to anyone. And I want to encourage you to let God place on your heart the face of somebody that you may have thought was unreachable just to prove to you that you can have a part in their transition into eternity, their uh, uh, transformation that God can do. God can reach anyone. Second thing, second perspective. God can not only reach anyone, God can use anyone. God can use anyone. Very often in the church, we, we come, we attend, we see people with gifts. It's so great to see, you know, what's happened over the years with Pastor Jeff and Heather and their ministry, and then Todd and his ministry, Jamal, his ministry, and, and you know, you've got all the, the, the great stuff going, Matt, now Pastor Matt here, and all the, but I don't have any talents. I don't, God can't really use me, but I come and I watch them, and I support them, and I clap, and I'm all for them, I pray for them, that kind of deal. You have no idea how God might want to use you. And I really want to underline that this morning. Um, This lady, her name is Anna Marsh. Uh, We were pastors up in North Jersey in a place called Northvale prior to going to uh, the district office and working as youth directors. Um, Just at the end of our tenure there in Northvale, so in 1989, give or take, we were in a midweek service one uh, Wednesday night. And uh, we asked before we, we did the Bible study, anybody have a prayer request tonight? And Anna's hand went up. By the way, Anna's, her husband uh, was almost alcoholic. He was almost abusive. Um, was not a good situation. She was not a heavily talented woman. Uh, she helped clean the church, and that was about the ceiling. That was it. She wasn't a Sunday school teacher. She wasn't a singer. She didn't speak new Bible studies. She helped clean the church. She was very faithful. Honestly, she wanted to be in church because she didn't want to be home. It was that kind of a dynamic that she lived in. And we loved her. She was a sweet, sweet person, um, but wasn't the kind of person you'd say, look at all the ability that she has. Well, one night, Bible study, any prayer requests, and his hands go up, and she says, Pastor, can we pray for Albania? Albania, Sure. And honestly, this is what I said. I'd be glad to play for Albania. Uh, who is she? Is she your neighbor? Is she a family member? And she did the same thing. She left. She goes, oh, Pastor, you're always joking. You know Albania is a country. I didn't have a clue. I didn't have a clue. I really did think it was a person's name. But, I, you know, it led on about that. So I said, oh, of course. I, yeah, 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 yeah. How can we pray for Albania? What would you like to pray about? I'm, I'm the village idiot and all this kind of thing. I'm just, I'm... She says, I don't know. God's just put Albania on my heart. Okay, God. 
bless Albania. We pray that your hand will be over Albania. Amen. Bible study. Sunday morning, we had prayer requests that were on little pieces of paper. If anyone had a need, write it down. So we were praying for so-and-so who lost their job, praying for so-and-so who needed healing. And I see, pray for Albania. Hannah prayed for Albania. That Sunday night in our evening service, any prayer requests? Albania. Wednesday night, Albania. Next Sunday morning, Albania. Next Sunday night, Albania. 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 All right, I've already given away the store, so uh, you, you know me now. You, you, your respect for me is going to go even further down. Um, it started to get to me. Week after week, month after month, not one service went by when Anna did not ask for prayer for Albania, except one time that she didn't come to church. And I sighed, oh, thank you. I don't have to pray for Albania tonight. You'll never know a pastor will think that. We won't say that. Nobody knew that I was, oh, of course we'll pray for it. But inside I'm going, here comes Sister Albania. <sighs> Give it a break. I'm just being honest. Sometimes to my detriment, but I'm being honest. So uh, we're there in 1990. In May, we're elected district youth directors. We move out of that church. We go live down near Trenton. And in June of 1991, I pull out the Trenton Times, and I read headlines that looked kind of like this. This is the New York Times, I believe. I don't know if you can read that headline there. It says, Albanian communists in upheaval. Trenton Times was, civil war erupts in Albania. I, really, I looked for it online. I couldn't find the picture. I wish I could. Civil war erupts in Albania. It's like, ooh, Albania. Where have I heard that before? And I start reading the article. And in the heart of the article, it says, revolution has taken place. And this is the Trenton Times. For the first time in the history of the country, Albania has religious freedom. Yeah, wow. Well, I should have been rejoicing. But I started feeling really scared. <laughs> Because I remembered my history in this, and I'm going like connecting some dots. And I remember kind of looking up and seeing God do this. What am I going to do with you? <laughs> that woman's prayers changed the course of a nation. About two to three months later, the Assemblies of God sent their very first missionary to. Albania. This was 1991. There was no church there prior. In 2016, in Albania, there were 200 evangelical churches, over 20,000 believers. The Assemblies of God had 35 churches and preaching points with over 1,000 members and two missionaries sent from the country. Why? Because of the powerful prayers of this pastor who just begged God to touch Albania? Because Anna Marsh wouldn't let it die. Folks, you have no right to think that your contribution is too small to make a difference. Not only can God reach anyone. He can use anyone. 
don't tell me God can't use you. You can't pray a lot? Pray a little. You can't give a lot? Give a little. You can't do a lot? Do a little. Mother Teresa said you can't feed 100 people? Feed one. Do what you can do. You have no idea what God can do with what you present to him. He doesn't need your bank account. He doesn't need your strength. He wants your cooperation and participation. You cannot measure the impact of what you do by what you see. You can't measure the size of a tree by looking at the seed. And you don't know how many trees are inside that seed that God can bring forth. Start where you are. Do what you can do. Let God use you. God can reach anyone. God can use anyone. And third, finally, God can send anyone. God can send anyone. We're focused on shortages right now. Uh, I ran out to the store last night just because my, my wife is not here, by the way. She's visiting her mom this week, so she's away. And she said, listen, I'm away, and you're not thinking about this, so can you just make sure we do have stuff so if the store is shut down, we've got something? So I immediately went out and bought a bunch of steaks and pork chops and ribs. And she said, get something beyond meat. I said, oh, coffee? I got meat and coffee. She said, get, so I got some bread and this kind of thing, and or what was there. It's like, this is ridiculous. I'm not going there, but it was, it was that kind of, we're focused on shortages today. All right? Everybody knows what that's like. You're wondering, you know, everything going to be okay and all this, all this kind of stuff. Let me tell you, there is no shortage in several places. Number one, there's no shortage of people who need to be reached with the gospel of Jesus Christ. There are billions of people that have never even heard his name. Number two, there is no shortage of those who can mobilize our resources, our forces in the church to send resources and support our missionaries. We have plenty of people that can do all that. But there is a shortage of those who will go. There is a shortage of those who will go. Now, an evangelist comes he talks about giving your heart to Christ. A missionary comes, he talks about giving your life in missionary service. So I'm not going to beat around the bush. God may be calling and speaking to you, dealing with you about going. Well, God can't send me. I'm, I'm too young. I'm too old. Talked earlier about a lady from this church who went on one of your missions trips in her 70s. When, when Jeff said he, she was going, he said, I got to tell you, she's like 74. I said, are you out of your mind? 74, it's going to be a one-way trip. <laughs> yeah? He's, no, she's in good shape. I said, I don't care how good shape she's in. Well, I, I should have because we, we mounted some, we climbed up pyramids that we were there. And I had to pull her back. Marie, slow down. You need a break. She said, oh, I'm fine. She said, no, you need to slow down. You need a break. You know, she, she was great. Listen, you have, don't, don't write yourself off because of your age. Don't write yourself off because of your status. Don't write yourself off for any... We have no right to tell God who he can or can't send. God can send anyone. Let's go back to the beginning. Early church. Who is the first missionary who ever went in the book of Acts? Who is the first missionary of the church? Paul. Easy question. Okay. Let's go a little further. In modern-day Christianity, do you know who the first missionary was? 
from England to India. Anybody know? William Carey, he was the first missionary in the modern-day church, went to India. In America, do you know who traditionally was the first American missionary? You do now. His name was Adoniram Judson. There's a good name from Adonai. Adoniram Judson. Adoniram Judson, amazing story. If you ever read about him, uh, it's just, uh, he went to Burma. Um, as a child, he was a devout Christian, a believer. As an adult, he walked away from his faith. He became an actor in drama and theater, and God had his call on his life. He ran from that, and his, his conversion, one day as he's riding his horse, going from one engagement to another, he hears audibly a voice saying, every hoofbeat, death, hell, death, hell. Knowing, that, knowing he was running away from God with every foot. He stopped, got off his horse, recommitted his life to Christ, ended up being the, traditionally, the first American missionary ever to leave the United States in 1812, I believe it was. He goes to Burma. In Burma, he writes the Burmese Bible on leaves. Half of it was written while he was in prison, hidden under his bed mat. It's an amazing story you read about Judson. He was, traditionally speaking, the first American missionary. Since his day, tens of thousands have gone to all corners of the world to bring the truth of salvation to those who have never heard. And we're thrilled about that. I'm thrilled that God has sent missionaries over the years and that he's sending them today. But there are some challenges, there are some problems that we face today, and let me explain what they are. Three problems that we face today. Number one, problem number one is this. The harvest is still great. Number two, the workers are still too few. And number three, and this hits exactly where my ministry, my heart, my focus, and my passion is. Too many think that God can send others, but he can't send them. We believe that God can send somebody else, but he can't send me. Currently, in the Assemblies of God in the United States, we have about 13,000 churches in the United States. We send about 2,800 missionaries all throughout the world. Okay, that works out to one missionary for every four or five churches, by and large. But from our ethnic communities, all those places that, boom, 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 where are we? Right there. All these groups, we send about one missionary for every 50 churches. Not one for every five, but one for every 50 churches. Over 90% of our active missionaries look just like Adoniram Judson, relatively speaking. They are white Anglos ministering all over the world, and I thank God for his call on their lives. But you can't tell me that God is only calling white missionaries. This is not, this makes no sense. Forgive my bluntness, but... Most of our ethnic communities think that sending missionaries is the responsibility of the white church. It is not. It is not. Recently, I had a conversation with a young missionary. His wife is Vietnamese, and we're working with the Vietnamese Fellowship. That's great things that are happening there. He made this comment. He says, we are ambassadors. We are Christ's ambassadors. Remember that, the whole the verse? We are ambassadors for Christ. He said an ambassador represents his kingdom to other kingdoms. And then he asked me this, if all the ambassadors look the same, 
what does that say about the kingdom? Really good question. I'm not saying we need to have partisan, you know, all this guy. I'm not going political. What I'm saying is this. You can't tell me God's not calling people from our multi-ethnic, from our diverse communities. We are four or five years away from uh, attaining a demographic point in America where there is no ethnic majority. The white Anglo population will be 49%. There will be no ethnic majority in the United States. Generation Z, 29 and under, they're already there. They're already there. What does that mean? It means half of our missionaries in the next 10 years are going to come from, should come from, that population group that we don't see currently represented among our missionaries. Here's an interesting bit of trivia. And like I say, a lot of times we think it's the white missionaries that go. It's the white churches that send. That's our history, and it's not bad. It's just, just what happens. Well, here's some trivia for you. Adoniram Judson went to Burma in 1812, 30 years before he went to, uh, to Burma, in 1782, God spoke to a Baptist preacher by the name of George Liley. George Liley. George Liley went to Jamaica to reach people for Jesus and plant churches sent by the Baptist church. We never heard of George Liley. He's very hard to find. If you look him up, you'll get him. But it's strange that we haven't ever heard of him in most of our historical literature. Let me show you George Liley. And let me ask you why you think we might not have heard of him. The first American missionary was Afro-American. When I say God can use anybody, Adoniram Judson proved that God can even use white missionaries because our first missionary was black. This is the plan of God. He has gathered the nations, not just to minister to them, but to mobilize them and send them to the nations. Let me tell you what's happening in the Assemblies of God. Top left, Gil and um, Mirelli, missionaries from Puerto Rico. Is this recorded? Broadcast? Yes, okay. Missionaries from Puerto Rico in northern Asia. Bottom left, Joseph and, can't remember his wife's name, Joseph Kim and his family. First ever Korean missionaries from the Korean districts in the Assemblies of God, he's probably been here, in the Dominican Republic. Now, in case you missed it, Latinos in Asia, Asians in Latin America. That's kind of cool. We have a missionary, Darren, I can't give you his last name, in also in Northern Asia, in a very restricted country. He is black. Here, um, Stacy. Stacy is Latina. She's from Arkansas. Her dad is the pastor of the church, Mexican-American. She is ministering in the Arabic world. Top right, uh, Leah is Filipino. She's in uh, Soviet, what was the Soviet Union. And right in the center, Randy and Linda Lindsay, they're on the bottom there. 
missionaries in Mexico City. Linda is deaf. Randy is hearing. Linda is deaf. But this is what's happening. We've put together what we call them mobilization teams, and I'm working with all our groups to begin to establish them. We have a Hispanic mobilization team, leaders from the Hispanic community to strategize about selling missionaries. We have a black mobilization team to do the same. And just this week, I met by video with the leaders of the Deaf Fellowship because they don't want to just receive missionaries and have missionaries who minister to the deaf globally. They want to send people who are deaf. We have never sent exclusively deaf missionaries. We have about 15 who work with the deaf, two people who are deaf, but they both have hearing spouses and they're there. They're saying, that's not what we want. We want to send missionaries who are God is calling who are deaf. Let me tell you something. The deaf population globally is greater than the U.S. population. All right? It's over 400 million people. In most countries outside the United States... Now, you know how challenging it is here. Outside the United States, people who are deaf are received as family, but very often, very rarely are they educated. Or they, there's no church for them by any means. So globally, they are a language group with their own culture and no adequate presentation of the gospel. We call that an unreached people group. And without going into all the details, statistically, it's proven the best person to reach a deaf person globally is another deaf person. Deafness trumps nationality. So a French person who is hearing is less likely to be able to influence a French person who is deaf than an American person who is deaf is able to influence a French person who is deaf. Deafness is right at the top. They want to send missionaries who are deaf. We've worked out a roadmap. Now we're just praying that God will send laborers from his group of mobilizers to those internationally, who are deaf. This is, we have never done this before. This is things that have never happened before. In our conversation, one of the ladies told me that in history, historically, about 30 years ago, they had a deaf couple who wanted to go as missionaries, and they were told, oh, we can't do that. It's too dangerous. And they were sent away. We're not sending them away anymore. This is what's happened. God can send anyone he wants to send. Don't tell me what he can and what he can't do. God can do whatever he wants. God doesn't need a passport to enter a country. He doesn't need governmental permission to cross international lines. He doesn't need a visa to pass through immigration. He doesn't need documentation to transform a person's life. Our prayers are not detained by any immigration agent. There's no import tax on vision for the lost, and there's no law that stops him. There's no wall that keeps him out. God can do whatever he wants. God can send whoever he wants anywhere he wants to send them. We just need to work together to make it happen. The harvest is great. The workers are few. The harvest is great, but God can reach everyone. The workers are few. So pray. Pray the Lord of the harvest. God can use anyone. Your prayers. Listen, you, you know somebody in your neighborhood who needs Christ? Your prayers for that person can change their eternity. You have missionaries that come and they talk about your prayers. Your prayers can turn the tide of a country. God can use you. God can reach anyone. God can use anyone. And God can send anyone. 
Maybe he wants to send you. On your way out, there's a prayer card. Got my picture on it, my email address on it. If you think God may be speaking to you, talk to me. Email me. Let me know. Let's connect the dots of your life. The harvest is great. The workers are few. And God is sending people to go. He's compelling them. This is our theme this year. I pray that together we can work on the harvest and that God, as we pray together to the Lord of the harvest, will compel his primary customers to work together to send more workers into his fields. Father, thank you this day for your grace. Thanks for this wonderful congregation. Thanks for Pastor Jeff and Heather and their faithfulness, not only in their faithfulness to the congregation, but their faithfulness to you in raising up a church who embraces your heart for a lost world. Help us to recognize the fact that you can reach anyone, you can use anyone, you can send anyone. Keep our focus on who you are and what you're doing in our world through our lives so that we can be like light shining in a dark place, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.